Well, that was a tearjerker, wasn't it? It was really good. I was just thinking about how interesting it is that we do Mother's Day the way that we do it. We, um, we start off by publicly humiliating our mothers, you know. Kids, tell us all your mom's dirty secrets publicly, you know. And we pass them around a coffee cup. You know, mom, you need a double shot. We hope you make it through the day, you know. And then we cap it all off by saying we're going to skip church tonight, you know. Can't wait till Father's Day. Uh, it's been a bit of a, like a, I guess a missions and Mother's Day today, hasn't it? It's been good to have Soren here and uh, the, the things that he shared with us today. The reality of life on the mission field, huh? So it helps us to know how to pray, doesn't it? If you weren't here for the adult class, I'd encourage you to get a, to get, well, you know, you say you get a copy of the tape, but there's no such thing as tapes anymore. Listen to it online and um, just kind of familiarize yourself with what uh, has been happening there. And don't forget to pray for the country there, the, the brethren there. There's just a lot happening. You know, the Lord does things, doesn't he, in the world where we don't really understand what's happening in the moment. But then when it's all settled down and we see how it ended up, you'll see God had a plan in it. And ultimately, ultimately, it's going to be for the propagation of the gospel in some way. And so we, we pray to that end as a church, shouldn't we? We should pray for that and pray that God would just, just be glorified in it. Some of the brethren there are in great affliction. And he probably didn't share a whole lot about that. But those that are in uh, just a part of that ministry there or have, have been detained and, uh, you know, you, you probably don't know a whole lot about that part of it. And yet people are getting saved as a result of it. And I don't know, it's exciting. It's painful to watch, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Pray for your missionaries. It was good to see uh, Brother Ricardo and Isabel. They're doing a good job. Of course, they, they bring you greetings. I don't know what happened with the video, but you either saw his forehead or his tie, um, but I actually I stood about this far back, you know, so I, I had about this much of him, but anyway, um, that was uh, one, of the last, one of the last days that we were there, and uh, it was good to be able to spend 14 days there with him to see the work, to see uh, their family and their life, and uh, what they do. They, brethren, let me tell you, they are fully engaged in what God has sent them to do there. Uh, they, give, uh, they give seven days out of seven to the work of the ministry. Uh, they have a little bit of Monday off, that, that's if somebody doesn't call, but generally somebody calls, and uh, their life is just is very much spent up in the work that God has given them to do. So it was a blessing to see it. As you know, they've started, uh, Brother Cardo has started two different churches. One is in a, a, a very remote area that really just deals with the indigenous peoples there, and then the other is uh, in a more city environment that's much bigger than where they're at uh, now living in Garohape, and so... He's pastoring three churches, and that's just a whole lot of work. Uh, but the joy of the Lord is there. They, they both work hard. Isabel does good with the ladies. And uh, so it's just that it was a blessing to see it and appreciate your faithfulness to them. I'll tell you, every, every time you reach out in any way, it's noticed. It's noticed. Uh, because you know what a missionary needs a lot of times? They, they need support to be there, but they need encouragement. They really need you to encourage them. They need your pastor to visit them at least every year. And I'm telling you honestly, probably the most important thing is that they would have a visit from somebody every six months, and it just means a lot to a missionary. It helps them get down the way. So pray for them. They have a lot of needs, and uh, they don't communicate a lot of those uh, except for to the Lord. But um, it's a great responsibility we have as a sending church, isn't it? But it's a privilege. And so it was just great to be there. I really enjoyed my time. All right, I want you to turn with me to the book of Psalms uh, here this morning. It's Mother's Day. I have never felt like I knew how to 
preach a Mother's Day message. You know, you're supposed to be soft and gentle on Mother's Day. I'd much rather preach to men because, you know, you can just say it to a guy. But, you know, you have to be more gentle and compassionate with ladies. And so we're going to have a nice message today. Ladies, praise the Lord, all right? Um, If I was invited to preach for Father's Day, it's a different story. We're going to have a public flogging on Father's Day, okay? Um, I want to read you something that I read. It was just the most hilarious thing, and I think it gives us an insight into uh, into Mother's Day. This was written uh, about 100 years ago by a Canadian author. And uh, he said, this is how we kept Mother's Day. So let me give you, it's, this will take me a couple minutes to read this, but I think you'll appreciate this. Uh, so we decided to have a special celebration of Mother's Day. We thought it a fine idea. It made us all realize how much Mother had done for us for years and all the efforts and sacrifice that she had made for our sake. We decided we'd make it a great day, a holiday for all the family and do everything we could to make Mother happy. Father decided to take a holiday from his office so as to help in celebrating the day, and my sister Ann and I stayed home from college classes, and Mary and our brother Will stayed home from high school. It was our plan to make it a day just like Christmas or any big holiday, and so we decided to decorate the house with flowers and with mottos over the mantelpieces and all that kind of thing. We got Mother to make the mottos and arrange the decorations because she always does it at Christmas. The two girls thought it would be nice to dress in our very best for such a big occasion, and so they both got new hats. Mother trimmed both the hats, and they looked fine, and Father had bought silk ties for himself and us boys as a souvenir of the day to remember Mother by. Uh, We were going to get Mother a new hat, too, but it turned out that she seemed to really like her old gray bonnet better than the new one, and both the girls said that it was awfully becoming to her. Well, after breakfast, we had it arranged as a surprise for Mother that we would hire a motor car and take her for a beautiful drive away into the country. Mother's hardly ever able to have a treat like that because we can only afford to keep one maid. And so mother is busy in the house nearly all the time. But on the very morning of the day, we changed the plans a little bit because it occurred to father that a thing it would be better to do, even to take mother for a motor drive, would be to take her fishing. I mean, if you're going to fish, there's a definite purpose in front of you to heighten the enjoyment. So we all felt that it would be nicer for mother to have a definite purpose. And anyway, it turned out the father had just got the new rod the day before. So we got everything arranged for the trip, and we got Mother to cut up some sandwiches and to make a sort of lunch in case we got hungry, and though, of course, we were to come back home again after to a big dinner in the middle of the day, just like at Christmas and New Year's Day. Mother packed it all up in a basket for us to get ready to go in the motor. Well, when the car came to the door, it turned out that there was hardly seemed to be as much room as we had supposed. Father said, well, not to mind him. He said that he could just as well stay home and that he was sure he could put in the time working in the garden. He said that we were not to let the fact of his not having had a real holiday for three years stand in our way. He wanted us to go right ahead and be happy and have a big day. But of course, we all felt that it would never do to let father stay at home, especially as we knew he would make trouble if he did. The two girls, Anne and Mary, would gladly have stayed and helped the maid get dinner. Only it seemed such a pity to on such a lovely day as this, having their new hats. But they both said that mother had only to say the word and they'd gladly stay at home and work. Will and I would have dropped out, but unfortunately, we wouldn't have been any use in getting the dinner. So in the end, it was decided that mother would stay home and just have a lovely restful day around the house and get the dinner. It turned out anyway that mother doesn't care for fishing, and also it was just a little bit cold and fresh out of doors, though it was lovely and sunny, and father was rather afraid that mother might take hold if she came. So we all drove away with three cheers for mother. And father waved his hand back at her every few minutes till he hit his hand on the back edge of the car. And 
And then he said that he didn't think mother could see us any longer. Well, we had the loveliest day up among the hills that you could possibly imagine. It was quite late when we got back, nearly 7 o'clock in the evening, but mother had guessed that we would be late, so she had kept back the dinner so as to have it just nicely ready and hot for us. Only first she had to get towels and soap for father and clean things for him to put on because he always gets so messed up with fishing. And that kept mother busy for a little while, this and helping the girls get ready. But at last, everything was ready, and we sat down to the grandest kind of dinner, roast turkey and all sorts of things like on Christmas Day. Mother had to get up and down a good bit during the meal, fetching things back and forward. Uh, the dinner lasted a long while and was great fun, and when it was all over, all of us wanted to help clear the things up and wash the dishes. Only Mother said that she would really much rather do it, and so we let her, because we just wanted for once to humor her. It was quite late when it was all over, and when we all kissed Mother before going to bed, she said... It had been the most wonderful day in her life, and I think there were tears in her eyes, so we all felt awfully repaid for all that we had done. <laughs> that was a hundred years ago. You're, you're thinking to yourself, yeah, it's exactly the way it is today, right, Mom? Well, in the book of Psalms and then some other places in the Word of God, we, we learn a lot about motherhood. Uh, you know, there's, we look around and we see some younger moms here, and you've just started the journey, and... What a journey it is, right? The sleepless nights. And I usually ask the, the dads, you know, the kids are 10 weeks old. And I say, so are you getting any sleep? He says, oh, yeah, I sleep through the night. But it's the moms who don't get any sleep and have to do all the work. And so I think that we could just remind ourselves about some things in the Word of God here this morning uh, about a mother, some good things. Psalm 113, the Bible says, praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, Ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Verse number two, he said, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Uh, the Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? Now the answer to that is there is nobody like God. Here's what he does for us. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. And then he maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. I, this is an interesting psalm that we have here, isn't it? We, we talk about the, the awe of God. We talk about how worthy he is of our praise. We talk about the power of God. And in the midst of this def definition of God's power, in this short little thought, God says, let me tell you how powerful I am. I can take a barren woman and I can make a barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. That God was saying, I can, I can do the impossible, all right? And uh, that, that phrase just catches us, doesn't it? To be a joyful mother of children. I want to talk to you about mothers uh, this morning, and, you know, I speak to all of us today, but particularly to you moms. Uh, now, this could be a, a grandmother as well. It's really the same principle, isn't it? But we understand that motherhood, it began in the mind of God. And God said to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth. This is something that was in the mind and design of God for a man and for a woman in marriage. And God is the one who established motherhood. And he gave the husband and the wife a, a different role from one another and, and the uniqueness of their gender and the uniqueness of the characteristics that are, that are uh, found in men and women. 
And so I want you to look with me at really a lot of what Solomon said about, about mothers. And I think we've looked at this before in years gone by. But turn with me to the book of Proverbs, just the next book over. And I want to give you some thoughts today about, about mothers and pray that this would be an encouragement to you as a mother today. Uh, as always, when we get into the Word of God, if there's anything here that, that applies to your life as a mother, uh, well, what you need to do is you need to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this thing in my life. I'm going to straighten this area out in my life that may be lacking. But this may define you, and if it does define you, then praise the Lord, all right? Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, we have a, a father who's speaking to his son. And you're very familiar with some of these verses in Scripture if you've been saved for a while, but as we get down into the middle of this chapter, he said in verse number 20 to his son, he said, now son, he said, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. He, he said, bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. I'm going to talk to you, first of all, about a mother's instruction. Mother's instruction. Uh, here's a dad who says to his son, I, son, now, I've got some things that I've commanded you, and you need to keep that, but your mother's also instructed you in some things. And he said, I don't want you to walk away from the law of your mother. He says, matter of fact, what I want you to do is I want you to continually bind them upon thine heart. Uh, what that teaches me is this, brethren, that, that as Children in the home, I, I speak to you as the, the children now. There is a danger we have in seeing the strings of our mother's instruction constantly unwound from the heart. And he says, you continually need to retie that thing to your heart. You understand? We are tethered to our parents by virtue of our biblical instruction. But because of the carnal nature of man, those things try to get untied all the time. Our carnal nature will, will want to untether us to the truth. And Solomon said to his son, son, you need to understand that and continually tie those things back to your heart. Bind yourself to the truth of what your mother instructed you. Now, we're presupposing that a mother has instructed her children correctly. But he talks about the law of the mother. Uh, you know why God made a law? You know why we have law in society today is because a law establishes boundaries. And we need boundaries in our home. Our children need boundaries. All of us in our life, whether we're kids or not in the home, we all need boundaries, don't we? So the law establishes a boundary. And what a godly mother is in the home is one who establishes a very strict boundary for her children. And I understand that this goes against the culture of the day, but it doesn't matter what the culture says. The parents have the responsibility. The mother has a responsibility of establishing those boundaries. These are the cans and the cannots that what a mother does is she teaches and enforces these in the home. This is part of loving instruction, and this is part of motherhood. And a mother needs to have a law in her home. Let me just tell you a few things about that, a mother's law. How about the law in the home of obedience, Mom? Your children are required by God to obey. We know that to be true in the New Testament. Children, obey your parents. It's the requirement in the home, which means that it's a mother's responsibility. Why do I say it's a mother's responsibility? Well, typically, it's the mother who minds the kids, she has a greater responsibility in that way because quite often she's there with the children working five times as hard as her husband is in just managing the affairs of the home. And God said to the mother, obedience. How do we teach our children to obey? Well, we teach them to obey quickly. We've talked about this in years gone by. We teach them to obey with a good attitude. I, I, it was hilarious what some of these kids said up here. You know, what's the one thing you always hear from your mother? You know, pay attention, obey, clean your room, whatever it is. Well, we teach our children to obey. It's required of us to do that. It's our responsibility as parents, and it needs to be unquestioning obedience. And 
That's part of the law of the home. Uh, what else can a mother teach in the home? She can teach manners. This is well and truly shot in our society today. Our kids have no idea how to have good manners. But it's important. The other day, I've, I've only been with my family a couple of days in the last, I don't know, three or four weeks. And so we were together for, for a meal together before I flew this direction. And as we were sitting around the table, one of my sons, I won't tell you which one, was slouching at the table. And I said, get your elbows off the table. Well, what is that? That's you teach them manners. Got to teach our kids manners. You know, sit up straight. Have good posture. Be decent. Be kind. Be a gentleman to the ladies. I mean, whatever the case might be. But it's manners. Respect for authority. These are manners that a mother needs to teach in the home. You know, how we treat the opposite sex is so important. And those are things that are taught in the home. It's not meant to be taught by Hollywood. It's meant to be taught in the home. And a mother has a great deal to do with that kind of instruction in her home. What is she doing? She's establishing boundaries in the home. And that boundary, what it does is it prevents injury in the home. You know how we know that's true? Look in, uh, in the same chapter. He said in verse 21, you bind them continually upon thy heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Why? To keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery of the tongue of the strange woman. Here's the point. God says this, if, if the mother's doing her job and she's She's uh, instructing her children the way that she ought to. That boundary prevents injury. It prevents you. It keeps you from. That's what Solomon said. Now, particularly here, he was talking about um, infidelity and sexual immorality and all of those things that, that are so prone in our culture. But, you know, a mother that doesn't enforce the boundaries for her children has already condemned them in their future. Our children have to have boundaries. Boundaries are not negative. They're actually positive. Negative's on the other side of the fence. But the positive is the boundary that we set for our kids. So we don't enforce it from a negative standpoint. We instruct it positively. This is the boundary. And then we tell our kids, well, this is why we have boundaries. This is what God said. And this is why the boundary is important. It's a positive. Do you understand? The boundary is not negative. Negative is what's on the other side of the fence. But the boundaries that we create in our home, that a mother teaches her children, are positive boundaries they're meant to enforce something, to prevent injury in the life of our kids. You know, the truth of the matter is our kids are not here to be our friends first and foremost. They're not here to be our friends first. They are our friends. You ought to have friends of your children. But uh, the friendship develops over, over time. They're meant for us to guide and to instruct. And we need to understand what happens as the kids get older. I think as, as older parents we realize this, but you go from authority to influence in the lives of your children. And as your, chi your children get over, uh, older, you, you really lose your authority over the kids, even though they may be in your home. But now you have influence. But you'll never have the right kind of influence unless you first exercise biblical authority with them as young children. And so it's important as our kids are growing that we, that we e explain and instruct biblically. And that's God's authority. And then as they get a little bit older, we have an opportunity to really influence them uh, as they are maturing in their in their older years. So we see a mother's instruction. She has the law of the mother, right? And it gives boundaries to the kids. Look back a, a chapter to chapter number four. Again, this is Solomon. And he said, he said, hear ye children, the instruction of a father. He said, attend to no understanding for I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. 
Can I talk to you a moment about a mother's love? Yeah, two years ago, I stood with a few people by the bedside of my dying mother. And it's a unique thing. I mean, you only ever do this once in your life, right? And so to watch this take place as she laid there, and, you know, we don't really know whether she was um, able to hear. We stood around as a family, and we just began to sing. And our, our family and extended family are all quite musical, and everybody's very, very vocal. All the cousins are just really gifted in that way. So the blessing was, as we stood in that hospital room that day, we... We began to sing, and for probably 30 or 40 minutes, we just sang our lungs out, uh, just great hymns of the faith about heaven, about the, about the promises of God, about eternal life, about the love of Jesus Christ. I mean, all the hymns you're familiar with, we just sang those, and, you know, we had tears running down our cheeks as we sang, and we looked at her, and we thought, we don't know whether she hears or not, but she hasn't graduated to glory yet, so we're going to give her a good send-off if we can. You know, I stand before you today and I, I reflect back on the life of my mother and every mother is a failure in some regard. We, certainly every mother is a sinner like everybody else, but the, the overarching memory that I have of my mom is not one of failure and sinfulness. I know that she was human, but she was saved and loved the Lord Jesus Christ and she was a woman of great compassion and love. And Solomon said to his son, I, I was my father's son tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Here's what that means. My, my mother looked at me and loved me. Mother loved me. You know, a, a mother is meant to view her child tenderly with this compassion and this love. He, he said, I was tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. I think there's, there's nothing more unnatural in our world than to see a woman who tries to be tough because that's not in her nature. It's not how she was designed to be. It goes against, I think, the design of God. And there's just something very pleasing when you see a woman who is womanly, who acts like a woman, who's gentle and compassionate and tender as God intended for her to be. And I think one of the great influences in the life of a child is the gentleness and the tender love of a mother. It doesn't mean she has to be perfect, but notice what, he, what Solomon said here. It's, it's really funny when you think about verse number three. He said, I was my father's son. There's no gentleness in that. I'm a dad's boy. But then he said, I was tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. How true that is for the most of men. If your kids fall down and get a boo-boo, dad says, yeah, you're not going to die. But it's mom who runs up and bandages up the wound, right? Dad rolls his eyes and says, suck it up, right? But the kid, the kid needs the tenderness of mother. Aren't you glad that both of those are, now ladies, you value the, the roughness of your husband. You shouldn't condemn him for that, because if you have a son, then he needs to know how to be tough. But at the same time, he needs the gentleness and the affection and the tenderness of his mother. Both are necessary in life. And if you have one without the other, you're going to be unbalanced. So it really is true that way. But I was, I was tender and I was only beloved in the sight of my mother. And you can just see as he moves his gaze from his father to his mother and you see the affection that uh, he's portraying here. I think even as a grown man, Solomon demonstrated this. You might be familiar with the fact that when Solomon was just crowned king and he gets to the throne, his mother comes into the throne room, Bathsheba. And the Bible tells us there that she went unto King Solomon, her son, right, to speak unto him. And it says the king rose up to meet her and he bowed himself unto her and sat down on his throne and caused a seat to be set for the king's mother and she sat on his right hand. You understand? That was the way he viewed his mom. 
And there's just something about the tenderness and affection of a mother that will so touch the heart uh, of the child. Ladies, I'll tell you today that there's no weakness in showing that gentle, compassionate love. Your kids need to see that in you. And I pray that you'll learn to develop this in your life if you find that you lack a little bit of this. Because there's some ladies that are not by nature very compassionate. I understand that. And uh, if that's the way that you are, now learn to develop this and pray and ask God for, to help you to be this way. Uh, the, the gentleness and the compassion of a mother. I sure appreciate that about, my, about my, uh, my mom. And you know what? I appreciate that about my wife, watching her in these 25 years as a, as a mother and, and how she's raised our kids. And no doubt you have the same testimony with your mother. But I appreciate the gentleness uh, and the compassion of, uh, of mothers. A mother's love is what touches and influences the heart of a kid. These are simple truths, but God gave them to us in his word. Uh, in, the, in the book of the Song of Solomon, this is quite an interesting book. If you've ever read through this, uh, and you might be like me, I get to the end of this book and I scratch my head. And I think, what did I just read? Have you ever been there? You think, okay, I, I'm not really sure I understand this book the way that God intended for me to understand it. But one thing we know is this, that at its core, uh, there is there is reality about some relationships that Solomon is talking about. We understand that there's also future things and there's illustrations of the love that Christ had for the church. All of that is there. But at its core, this is a man talking about relationships and love relationships, all right? And here's what he said in Solomon chapter 3 and verse number 11. He said, Go forth, O ye daughters of Zion, and behold King Solomon with the crown, wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals. And in the day of the gladness of his heart, there was a uh, there was a tradition, a custom back in these days that apparently when uh, a man was uh, was in a position of authority like this in the in the kingdom, that uh, when it was time for his coronation and time for his wedding, and uh, the mother would crown him, and that's what took place here. I want to talk to you for a moment, ladies, about a mother's support in the life of her children. A mother's support. I think the greatest day in the life of any kid is going to be when he gets to be, he or she gets to be an adult and they get married. It's a pretty big day. It's a momentous day. Hey, either for good or for not for good, right? It's a big day. But if it's good, then uh, it's an important thing in the life of the child. And, you know, for a son, it's when a boy realizes he's a man. When a girl, uh, she is launching into womanhood and embracing that and you know, they're ready to launch into life on their own. And Solomon here, he was married, and it made it sweeter because his mother was there. And she encouraged him, and she supported him, and she championed her son. And, and I think it just brings to truth a light that we have to understand about the influence of a mother, that even in adulthood, your, your children will seek your affirmation as, as a mother. Let me be careful to say it this way, though. We can affirm our children as they get older, but, ladies, we don't affirm them in their sin. We still love them. We understand that our children will fail, and that's just part of humanity, isn't it? But when our children are doing wrong, we don't affirm them in their sin. We still love them, but we have to stand for what's right, don't we? Uh, and it's just an important distinction, right? Um, we can't affirm their sinful choices, but I think a mother can have a gentle voice of reason. I'll tell you what, before I got my heart right with God, it was a couple of years before I was married, and I was just... I was just in that season where God was working, but I wasn't quite ready to submit to him. And I do remember my mother and times that I did things. And when I came home and things you don't want to talk about in life, right? But my mom knew what it was and she saw it 
and there was a gentle voice of reason and there was a gentle rebuke, but there was always love and there was always acceptance. And I still remember those moments in my life. And I appreciate the fact that my mother was that way. And I just think that's what the Lord is trying to teach us here in this relationship between Solomon and his own mother is that, uh, you know, to propel our children forward into the world as well-adjusted young adults, I believe it takes the support of a godly mother. So can I encourage you, uh, mothers, to support your children that way? Be the support and the comfort that they need in their life. Speaking of comfort, there was, a, um, <clears throat> there was something that the prophet Isaiah said, uh, speaking of the Lord's relationship with Israel. And here's what he said. He said, as one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and you should be comforted in Jerusalem. So God was saying, okay, to Israel, you know how your mother comforts you? That's how I'm going to comfort you as your God. And this teaches us something else about the, the life of a godly mother, that she's to be one that offers comfort to her children. Uh, you know, as a, as a kid, I really only have an occasional memory, occasional memory of my dad uh, coming into my room and maybe comforting me. Most of the time, dad came into the room, it was with a belt. Do we have any other children that had that kind of memory of their father? That's pretty much how it was in my house. Not that my dad didn't love me, but usually when it was time for little Tommy to get a lesson in life, dad came in with the belt because the stick didn't work. The belt worked for me. Maybe some of you guys weren't as stubborn as I was, but that's how it was for me, right? Uh, but, but it was a different story with mom, different story with her. And there was a comfort that came uh, in, uh, in knowing that my mother was coming into my room. Uh, I have memories of, she, of her coming to my bedside when I was sick. I was one of those kids that if I got scared of the dark, I'd hide under my covers, you know, because the bad guys can't get under the covers, you know what I mean? And, uh, but mom would always be there to, uh, to speak to me and encourage me and comfort me. It's just part of what it is that, that a mother offers in her home. I can't tell you how important it is. You know, I, I understand we're not talking about a great deal of doctrine this morning, but brethren, I don't, think, I don't think we need to. We're just talking about the reality of the life of a mother in, in her children's life and how important it is, the touch of her hand, the the gentleness of her voice and her comfort in the, in the life uh, of her child, the comfort of her words. I'm reminded of what Solomon said about this particular woman. In Proverbs 31, you don't need to turn there, but you'd be familiar with the verse. It says that she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Uh, that's in the home. We've all known people that are quick with their tongue, but in the home, the mother is to be a woman of comfort. I could ask you the question, are you quick to criticize? Are you, are you quick to condemn or to rebuke or to injure? If you're quick to do that and you have a sharp tongue, some of us do and some of us don't. But the Bible says of this woman that she openeth her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. God said it this way, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we influence our children by what we say and by, by how we say it. If, if I as a dad never offered any comfort and I really did just say suck it up every time, my kids would hate me when they got older. There has to be both. But for a mother, God was using that gender when he said that she, she does this. She opens her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law of kindness. I just think God is, is instructing a mother to, to uphold and to build and to edify her children, uh, to use her tongue to build, use the things that she says to strengthen, to comfort, to motivate her children. That's the importance of of the mother's comfort in what she says, the comfort of her words. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. But there's also the, the comfort of her presence too, isn't there? 
the comfort of her presence. And I just would say, ladies, don't ever underestimate the power of being a comfort to your children. They need it. They need it in their life. And I'll tell you this, as they get older, they need it more. When they get out of the house, they need it more. I, I know you, and so I look around the room and I think about your life and I think about your children, those of you that have children that are older. Don't you know that when your kids get out of the house, there are more work than when they were in the house? I never realized that until my kids started growing up, and then I realized they're 10 times more work when they're older than they were when they were little. When they're little, you just tell them, go clean their room, and they clean the room. But it doesn't work that way when they're in their 20s and, God help us, in their 30s and however old they're going to get, right? They're just a whole lot more work, and they still need a whole lot more comfort from the life of their parents. And uh, so, Mother, you can be a great comfort to your children. And God said, the mother comforts. He said, I'm going to be just that way for you. And so, ladies, uh, a mother's comfort Oh, it's important. Now, let me just talk to you lastly about this thought, and perhaps this is the most important one for the life of a mother. I want to talk to you about the mother's influence. Uh, and in order to understand this, I think we need to look at this verse in Ezekiel chapter 16. So turn with me there to the prophet Ezekiel, chapter number 16. You know what we do in our culture? The, the world does this. They, they talk about a proverb. Have you ever heard that Chinese proverb or this proverb here or this, you know, whatever? Well, they, they've done that throughout history. People have had proverbs, just statements of wisdom that somebody has said. And, and God refers to one of these in the book of Ezekiel. So look at chapter 16 and drop down to verse number 44. Here's what God said. Verse 44, Behold, everyone that useth proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, as is the mother, so is her daughter. Now, God is going to use this as a rebuke to Israel. But I'm not going to use it as a rebuke. I'm going to use it as an, in, an instruction for us this morning. The proverb is this way, that the way you are is the way your kids are, which means that your influence matters in the life of your kids. And I want to talk to you for a moment about the mother's influence. Maybe I could ask you this to consider the daughters that you know. How much do they resemble their mother's? They resemble their mothers oftentimes in their attitude or in their posture, in their smile, in their personality. And I'll tell you what an influence a mother has in the life of her kids. Influence. You don't really even have to say anything to influence somebody. Just your presence is an influence. But mom, I would just tell you this, that the most important influence that you have in your child's life revolves around your spiritual instruction in the home. Your spiritual instruction is the greatest influence that you give. See, what that does is that shows your children what your, I'll just use it this way, your philosophy in life is by how you instruct them. I love what the Bible tells us when God talks to the nation of Israel about the importance of his law. Sometimes that's lost on us in our culture because, you know, here we are in the, in the New Testament. We have the New Testament. We sort of realize that the Old Testament law was for that. And, you know, we sort of miss some of the principles that are there. But God talks oftentimes about how important it was that his people understood the truth of what he wrote because he wrote it on purpose, didn't he? And so he said to, his children, to the nation of Israel, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to teach it to your children. But it's not just a sit-down lecture. This right here that we're doing is probably the most ineffective way of transmitting truth. You're only going to keep and retain just a little bit of what I say to you. But God understood that, and so God said this. He said, what, what you need to do is when you're walking by the wayside, talk about it. When you're sitting in your home, 
talk about it. When you're standing here and there, you talk about it. And that's what instruction is in the life of a family. Mothers, when you influence your children with spiritual truth, you influence them that way, that we, we dare say the philosophy of life stems from who and what we are according to the Word of God. And so what we do is we say to our kids, well, we do this because God said. And, and I expect this in the home because this is what God said. And, and this is how you treat that person because this is what God said. And all that we do in our life and in our home ought to be saturated with spiritual truth. When we sit around and we have a meal... We shouldn't have the TV on most of the time. We should talk together. Well, what are we talking about? We're just talking about life. But as we talk about life, we're, as parents, as a mother, we, we invest spiritual truth into our children uh, in a casual conversation. They're going to have things that they're dealing with and they don't understand or things that are influences in their life or, or pressures in their life from their peers and their coworkers as they get older. And it's our responsibility to transmit truth into them. And we do that deliberately. And, oh, mothers, how important that is in the home, that you would transmit truth. You say, well, they're just little. They're not going to get it. Oh, they're going to get it. They're going to get it, and it needs to start young. But, you know, if clothing and jewelry and manicures are what you focus on, then what you're teaching your daughters is she's going to grow up and be consumed with her body. It's not wrong to do those things, but if that's the most important things in your life, then that's what your kids are going to be. It's exactly what's going to happen in the home. Now, we can't live to ourselves. We can't live to our ambitions. We, we can't seek after the things of the world and then expect our kids to be different than us. Our kids are what we are. They are what we are. As the kids have gotten older, you haven't seen my kids in a while, but you know, within, hopefully within six months or so, we'll be back. But uh, you, you won't recognize them. They're, anyway, um, as the kids have gotten older, and, and in your family, no doubt, you see things in your kids as they get older and you think, ooh. You know why we get, think that as parents? Because we see us in them. Come on, am I right in that? You, you see the way you were when you were 18 and now you see that in your 18-year-old. Or a better way to put it is you see what you were when you were 18 and you see that in your 12-year-old. That's what's happening in the world today. And it scares us because we see what we are in our children. But your, your children will be what you are, not what you say. Instruction begins with the life, not with the lips. And the kids have to be able to see our conduct in the home. If they don't see us walking with God, why do we expect that they would walk with God? If they never see that we pray and seek the face of God, why do we expect that they pray? If we never tell somebody about Jesus Christ and we go day after day after day and there's never a tract that's handed out, there's never a good word that's spoken to somebody, why do we expect for them to do that? If we're not faithful with our finances, why do we expect our kids to be faithful? And on and on and on it goes. And so that instruction in the home is so vital for our future, vital for our children. They have to be able to see what we are, and then we have the right to speak to them about what God expects. They they, our life and lips have to match up. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Because we struggle sometimes. We don't always have the right character, and sometimes we have a little bit of hypocrisy hiding in our hearts as parents, and we can't expect our kids are going to grow up and do right if we don't, if we don't do right in our home. So the opposite of that is also wonderfully true, isn't it? That if your life and your passion as a woman, as a mother, if it revolves around being a godly, Christ-honoring wife, you know what's going to happen? Your sons are going to see it. So my boys are getting older, and obviously they're looking, right? And uh, we've had that number of conversations about, 
you know, about marriage and about relationships and about what to look for and, I mean, just all the stuff that you, you do when you're teaching your kids. You know what my sons have said to me in their own way? They're looking for somebody that's like mom. That's who they're looking for. They see how she treated me. They see her submission to me as her, as her husband. They see her servant spirit. They, they saw, and I mean, they see her failures too, but they saw the other things. And they're saying, that's what I'm looking for. And so I see the, the ladies that they're interested in, and what I see in those ladies are attributes of my wife. You understand? I think that's what God intended. So ladies, as, as you live your life as a godly, Christ-honoring woman, your sons raised in the home will observe that, and that's what they're going to be looking for in their wife. Boy, that's so important. That's influence in the life uh, of your sons. But your daughters, when they see you living a Christ-honoring, godly life, they're going to want to emulate that in their life. And I'm telling you what, they're going to attract the right guy. You know why? Because you influence them right by walking with God. I may have told you this over the years, but the, the greatest memory I have of my mom, uh, I think many of you know that she was sick. She had lupus uh, most of her life. And so these were in the early days when they didn't know what it was and how it affected you. And, you know, they did all sorts of experimental things with you know, with treatment and those things just tore her up in those early years in the, in the 70s. And, and uh, then she developed a lot of other things, health problems. But anyway, um, so she, she didn't have what we would call a normal life. Uh, she wasn't the energetic, athletic, out doing things all the time. There's a lot of times that she was sick. But I'll tell you this, the greatest memory I have of my mom, do you remember me telling you this before? We had an old black leather recliner. And I'd get up in the morning to get ready for school, and she'd be sitting there reading her Bible. And I know there were other things she did in life, but that is, thank God, that is the one memory that sticks in my mind. Day after day after day, I get up, and that's what mom was doing. She wasn't watching Oprah. She wasn't reading Vogue. You understand? She was reading her Bible. And I know her. She wasn't doing it just to, be, to put on a show for me. You know, she didn't hear me get up and then jump in the chair real quick with her Bible. She'd sit there, and she'd read her Bible, and she'd drink her little cup of tea or whatever she drank. And that's my memory of my mother. I'll tell you what, what a blessed memory. What a blessed memory. And uh, so, ladies, that, that's true in your life, isn't it? That as you walk with God and your children observe that, your sons and your daughters observe that, that, that tremendous influence will just shake your children to the point where at the end of it, your children will rise up and call you blessed. And they'll say, thank God. Thank God for the mother that I had. I just think that God intended for there to be a generational influence from mothers to their daughters to their daughters, and so it goes. Well, I tell you, it's a great responsibility, isn't it, to be a mother? But thank God for you ladies as you steer your children in the home. It's an important, important truth. So we honor mothers today. But we understand then that the virtue of that mother can only come through her relationship with Jesus Christ, her Savior. I want to just say to you today, because there's some that I don't know here, there are a lot of good mothers who never go to church, who really know any, don't know anything about the Bible, and they try to raise their kids well, and they, they teach their kids character, and they teach their kids discipline, and they, they mind the home well, and I mean, all the things that they do in their life. But the most important thing in the life of any mother is her relationship with God, knowing that her sins have been forgiven, that she has a home in heaven, that she knows Jesus Christ as her Savior. And I want to challenge you today, if you're a, a mother who's visiting, you might be a mother who's a, 
a member or a regular attender here at the church. But that doesn't mean that you're on your way to heaven just because you come to church. I want to say to you that God loves the world. And Jesus Christ died for the sin of the world. That's your sin and mine. He gave his life, and the Bible says he rose from the dead. And he offers you today the free gift of having your sin forgiven. And this applies to every single person, not just a mom. But I'll tell you this, if you want your children to be raised right, if you want your children to go forward and have morality and virtue in their own life, it's going to come because you also have virtue as a mother that can only come through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so I tell you this today, if you would like to know how to have your sins forgiven, that Jesus Christ can forgive your sin today. I think many of us know that that relationship with God doesn't come just because we go to church. It doesn't come because we have always gone to church or done religious things. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to the mercy of God that he saves us. And God will save you from your sin today. I can't think of a better thing to happen on Mother's Day than for a lady to be born again into the family of God. Mothers, we, we praise you today. We thank you for your investment in your children. It really lends itself to the stability of God's family. Keep going on for God. Don't be discouraged by the pressures. Walk closely with Jesus Christ. Our Heavenly Father, thank you today for those that are here today that, that are mothers. I didn't have a chance to really look around and see how many, but Lord, there's so many here. We rejoice, Lord, in the fact that you've given them the privilege of, of bearing children and now, Lord, the great responsibility of guiding a home. Lord, I pray that they would take that seriously, that they would approach it biblically. Lord, that they would take time to meditate on these simple thoughts about the importance of who they are and how they guide their home. And Lord, if there's anything in their life that, that you have convicted them about today, then Lord, I just ask you to help them to deal with that, to get it right. And that there's never a mistake made in the home that can't be overcome by the grace of God. So help us, Lord, to analyze who and what we are and evaluate it and then fix it if it needs to be fixed. But Lord, I pray that you'd encourage the ladies here. Oh God, there's a, there's a tide in this world that goes so far against the truth of the Bible that's, that's trying to pull godly mothers away from the home, away from their children. The world wants to raise our kids. Lord, I pray that our, our mothers would take that responsibility and embrace and uh, they'd honor you in it. And Lord, I pray for the kids. Oh God, protect them. Spirit of God, I pray that you would uh, work in their heart and their life and they would observe uh, their own families and their own mothers and they would appreciate and, and thank you for the fact that they have a mom who walks with God and invests in their life. I just, I just pray, God, that you'd bless the church now. And Lord, I pray that if there's one here today that does not know you as their personal Savior, that this would be the day that they seek the Lord. This would be the day that they repent of their sin, put their faith in Jesus Christ to be forgiven. Lord, I pray you'd be glorified in it. I pray that you'd just give us a blessed day as we go from this place, that we would truly just enjoy time together, that we would honor those that are our mothers, that we would call and say thank you if they're not around. And Lord, most importantly, that we would just thank you as our God for giving us a woman to raise us and nurture us and teach us the way of truth. Help us not to be negligent in it, we pray. And we rejoice with thanksgiving this morning in Jesus' name.